to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities, both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telford and on today's show, the very first of 2022, I am delighted to be joined by Simon Hunter, a professor of applied psychology at the university, to talk about a groundbreaking survey for people with experience of complex mental illnesses to share their views and experiences of stigma and discrimination to help shape policy, support and services in Scotland. Simon, it's a pleasure to have you on today's show. Thank you very much for joining me. Great to be here, Craig. Really nice to meet you and to to be on the podcast. Yeah, I think this this is a really good topic and one I'm really interested to talk to you about. So can we start by looking at the the survey itself? As you mentioned right at the start of the episode, it's designed for people to share their experiences of mental illness and some of the stigmas they might have encountered. Could you give us a bit more detail about it? Yeah, so it's a survey that's going to help us to better understand the ways that people who live in Scotland with complex mental illnesses how they actually experience stigma. And so we're hoping to find out more about those experiences, about how they impact on people, um, and about how those people think they, they could maybe change things in future to um, help make their lives better. So tell us about the genesis of this survey. Where did the idea come from? The study is really being led by CME, and they're funding it. Uh, CME are the Scottish kind of national leads for reducing stigma around poor mental health and mental illness. Uh, they've just had their funding extended by a further five years. That was just in, in September there. And the, the real aim of this piece of research is to inform their policy going forward over the next five years. So they're going to find out much more about the details about, of, the, of the ways in which people experience stigma. Um, and that'll, that'll help to drive their policy forward. Now, it's been described as a first of its kind. Why is this the case? Why has there never been anything like this in place before? I guess one reason is just that it's difficult to do. It's difficult to get these experiences from this um, particular group of people. I mean, there are, I would call it a hard to reach group in, in research. So a group of people who can be difficult to, to recruit. Um, and it's just never been done in Scotland before. There's, there's only been one other study of its kind in the world. That was in Australia. And we've got colleagues at the University of, let me check, University of Melbourne. And they carried out the first ever stigma report card. And that was just published and kind of came out in the past few months, actually. But they they talked over, uh, sorry, just shy of 2,000 people in Australia with similar experiences to those that we're looking at in Scotland. And that's been led by Dr. Chris Groot and Dr. Uh, Imogen Ryan. And, and that's the only other study that, that really exists. So we need to do something similar to that so we can compare the results that we get for Scotland with those results they are reporting in, in Australia. That study in Australia, Simon, were you able to use that to help inform how this study was shaped? Yes, very closely. So the researchers there have been really helpful, really generous with their time and with, the, with what they've done. And they shared a lot of their materials with us. So the survey that we are using is... Uh, not exactly the same as the one they use, but it's very close and includes a, a lot of materials from them. They, they had spent a lot of time developing those. They got a lot of uh, feedback from people with lived experience of these issues. So it was a really, a really well-designed uh, instrument that they, that they had developed. So we've used that. There are parts of it that we, that we felt we weren't going to focus on. So we, we haven't included those, but the core of that is, is taken from their work. 
let's look at some of the people who have participated in the survey already. What are some of the, the, the things they've talked about? What are some of the stigmas and the discriminations that they've described when they've taken part in the survey? So the survey only opened, it was only around about the start of December, I think that that opened. So it hasn't been opened that long yet. But the kinds of, of, of stigma that we are looking at is actually 14 different areas. So we might, we might you know, kind of commonly think of stigma as um, maybe coming from friends or, or family or the media. And they might be kind of common ways that we think people would, would um, experience that stigma. But actually, the, the work from Australia has informed the, the, all the life domains that we're asking about. And do you want me to, to list all those? There's yeah, it'd be interesting to know that, Simon, if you could, please. Yeah, so we've got 14 areas of people's lives that might be affected by stigma. And that includes um, housing, uh, employment, education and training, uh, their access to healthcare services, their access and experience of mental health, uh, mental healthcare services, uh, sports and community groups, public and recreational uh, spaces, banking and insurance services, welfare benefits and financial support, legal and justice services, cultural faith and spiritual practices, mass media and social media. So it really is a, you know, it's really every aspect of people's lives that can be touched by this kind of stigma to find out what pe where people feel it's been had the biggest impact and what those, what those impacts have been. That's remarkable. I didn't realise that, that having a, a problem with your mental health could affect so many areas. When you're uh, 14, it, it doesn't sound like a big number, but when you started listing them and started listing all the specific areas, you think, my goodness, that is, that's all-encompassing, really, in a person's day-to-day -day life. Yep, every part of your life, really, um, and everything you're going to be involved in, and, and you can experience uh, stigma so people can treat you differently, can maybe um, dismiss your views, can be scared or can misunderstand what you're doing simply because you've experienced a, a mental illness. So it, it, it really is very broad and very far reaching. What are some of the most common stigmas and discriminations that people might face? The common ones are the ones that might come to mind most often. Uh, so things like from friends and family. Um, and that's been one of the outcomes from the um, Australian work that they found that stigma and discrimination and interpersonal relationships were one of the biggest concerns that, that they reported. And one of the problems that they found was that people report that that experience of stigma or discrimination can often lead people to withdraw and to try to avoid any future, any future experiences like that. So if they have that stigma or discrimination in you know, personal or interpersonal relationships, then they might just avoid making those kind of relationships in the future. And again, that's a real problem because it just, just makes problems worse and worse for people if they're, if they're withdrawing from, from society and from yeah, relationships. We mentioned at the start of, of this podcast how this, this survey is going to help shape policy, support and services in, in Scotland. How exactly is it going to do that? The key way that it's going to be able to achieve that is by informing CME's policy as they go forward. Um, CME is the main Scottish national programme that's trying to reduce stigma in these areas, and they are trying to reduce an impact on um, levels of stigma and discrimination across all of these 14 areas. So they're trying to do it across the whole of, of, of our society. Um, so essentially, if we're able to help them to reduce those experiences of stigma, then that, that's going to be most helpful to people who are 
in this situation for them to be able to have you know more fulfilling lives to be able to engage with a broad range of services and, and ways in which society operates. Tell me a little bit about your role in this survey, Simon. I've been working with a lot of, of partners in the survey who have been really pulling together to try to produce this work, uh, to produce a high quality piece of work that we can deliver fairly quickly. So as I mentioned, it, it's funded by CME, um, but it's being kind of managed by the Mental Health Foundation. And we've been working closely with them and with the lines between um, and the lines between are a social research agency who've got expertise in accessible and engaging research and, and evaluation. So the kind of, if you like, those three partners have all been working together to be able to, to be able to draw on their networks, to be able to advertise the survey, to be able to draw the survey together, been working with uh, research advisory groups and lived experience working groups to make sure that we are really trying to include the voices of as many uh, interested stakeholders and partners as possible. And that's included, for example, people like the Scottish Government have been involved in those folks uh, who are Scotland's national mental health advocacy organisation that's run by service users for service users. So. It's really been a, a team effort to, to get this across the line. And at the moment, you know, we're just busy collecting that data and then hoping to have the, the first uh, outcomes and reports of that in, in February 2022. How have you found the collaborative process so far? It's been brilliant. It's been really good. Everyone's worked so well together. Um, and it's been really great to have really useful and important feedback from people with lived experience um, that a real core part of the Australian work that informed it and of our work as well, making sure that, that what we find is going to be relevant uh, to people's lives and, and that people, when they take part, feel like they've been able to give voice to their concerns and, and the kind of worries and difficulties that, that they've had. So how long is the survey going to be running for? At the moment, it's probably going to be until uh, about February 2022, um, but it may be extended beyond that. But that's when we're, we're certainly going to be looking at the first kind of tranche of data, if you like. How, how many people are you expecting to reach or how many people are you hoping to reach with the survey? Well, it's a bit of a shot in the dark. We're not quite sure how many people are going to, to reach. We're, we're aiming for... Uh, hopefully around about four or five hundred if we can get as many as that as I say the, the Australian uh, survey managed to collect data from almost 2,000 but they've got a much bigger population obviously and mm. um, they were open for longer uh, and they were also at the start of their data collection able to collect data face to face we've got this survey so that people can take place online and we have also got supported opportunities for people to take part so people can complete the survey themselves online, but they can also contact us and we can arrange, and we're really happy to do this, we can arrange a supported completion of the survey either over the telephone or using a, a video call. And that way, if people find it difficult to, to be able to do that survey on their own, they can have a, a, a trained researcher who can lead them through that and can, and can um, help them to do that. So. But say, well, it's something of a shot in the dark because it's never been done before. But um, yeah, we're hoping for that as many people as possible make their make their voice heard. What's the best outcome from this project? Um, that would make real and lasting change. I think it's really nicely timed. Um, see me are you know just embarking on 
five years of funding. They're just embarking on making sure that they've got clear policy to inform that. So it's happening at a time when it can make a change that can have an impact across the whole of Scotland for the coming kind of four or five years and, and beyond, hopefully. Excellent. Well, best of luck with it, Simon. Hope it goes well. But let's look a bit about your own experiences of academia and your own journey at Glasgow Caledonia University. You've been here for just over a year now. How have your experiences at university been so far? So, yeah, I only started at GCU, Craig, back in May of last year. It seems like a lot longer now with the <laughs> pandemic. So it's been a really unusual and, and strange way to start a new job. I mean, I started in the middle of lockdown and it was, I think, about 13, almost 14 months before I even managed to get a key to, to my office and managed to get, in, get into my office. I, I think I was in camp, on campus once or twice just to either pick up or drop off laptops, but, but that was it. So, um, yeah, it's been an interesting start my time at GCU, but I'm really enjoying being here and such a great, you know, that, that research ethos and the way that people are wanting to, to make a real difference to the to the local community, to the national community. And that's just dovetailed so nicely with the, with the work that we've been talking about today. What were you doing before you joined GCU? Before GCU, I was at the University of Strathclyde and I had been there almost forever. Um, I, I did my undergraduate there. Um, I did my master's there. Before I started my PhD, I worked in Spain for six months on a, on a project uh, relating to bullying across Europe. And then I came back, did my PhD, and then I was a lecturer and a senior lecturer at Strathclyde. So um, I was there for almost 20 years, all told, and I had a really great time there, but it was, it was time to kind of move on to Pastures New. So it's been, it's been really nice to make that break and to move to GCU. You mentioned at the start, Sam, you're a professor of applied psychology. What exactly does applied psychology mean? really means that we're, we're trying to take psychology and to understand practical problems that, that people experience. And again, that, that you know, I don't want to keep hard back to the survey, but the survey is a good example of yeah. that. We're, we're trying to understand an actual problem in people's lives and we're applying psychology to better understand that, to develop prevention or intervention work. And, and you know, that's the kind of approach that, that applied psychology is taking. And at GCU in, in psychology, we have an applied psychology undergraduate and then we have different ways in which we might apply psychology. We've got a forensic psychology masters. We've got a, a doctoral training program for counseling psychology, for sport and exercise psychology, and for health psychology. So lots of different ways in which we try to apply psychology to, to our daily lives. I know this survey is an important one. It's taking up a lot of your time, but you have any other projects in the highs and anything else that you're working on at the moment? Uh, yes, so we're looking at a few different things at the moment. We've been working on the Thriving Learners study that, that came out recently. I, I wasn't quite as closely involved with that. I was in a research advisory group for that. That's been really interesting to, again, to learn about the experiences of students across Scotland and um, their mental health. Um, working with a lot of PhD and uh, D-Psych students on, on projects around stigma as well. Uh, around the um, experiences that young people have, adolescents have of, of stigma and discrimination, um, stigma and discrimination around uh, people's use of uh, substances, uh, so alcohol and, and drug use. And again, that's that's turned out to be really timely given the, I don't know if you've seen them, the adverts that have been out on TV lately, the Scottish government adverts aiming to reduce stigma around 
uh, drug and alcohol use. Yeah, I think I have, yeah. Yeah, so um, those have been timely as well. And, and really that's the, the kind of main thrust of my, my work at, at the moment is trying to draw together stigma around these kind of issues that, that people have. Well, excellent, Simon. It's been absolutely brilliant to speak to you today. Thank you very much for your time and good luck with the rest of the survey. Great stuff. Thanks for your time today, Craig. I'd also like to thank everyone for tuning into this episode and I do hope you'll join us again soon when we'll be in conversation with another member from the GCU community to talk about the brilliant work that's going on in the institution. In the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast so you get every single episode sent straight to your listening device. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and pretty much everywhere else. And drop us a five-star review while you're at it. Until the next time, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been the Common Good Podcast.